Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So my producer, Michael Carvel, surprised me a little bit there. I did not think we'd start with music today, but I, but we did. So a little bit of a, I guess, a pleasant surprise on my end. And I'm happy to have all of you with us here today. I want to begin today's show kind of this way. You know, there is a lot seemingly at stake for Georgia against Clemson on Saturday. And, you know, we kind of talked about this on yesterday's show a little bit. And, and some of what we say now is going to be a follow-up to the conversation we started yesterday. That for Georgia, since Kirby Smart has been coach at UGA going back to 2016, there have obviously been a big collection of big wins. You can't be as successful as Smart has been without adding some big wins, some trophies on the wall along the way. You're talking about you know two wins against Notre Dame in a home-and-home series, a Rose Bowl win against Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma at the end of the 2017 season, an SEC championship game win against Auburn also in that same 2017 season. Uh, think about last year getting a win against Luke Fickle in Cincinnati, a top 10 ranked team in a Peach Bowl. We'll count that as a big win here. That you can look at the big win a couple times against Florida, the 2018 game, big win. 2019 game was a big win. These were knockdown dragouts that decided the SEC East. Those are big wins collected by Georgia over the course of that time. And I think that's uh, a nice thing for Georgia fans to look back on, nice thing for Georgia fans to appreciate. However, there's also a threshold of achievement that Georgia seemingly under Kirby Smart has not quite been able to unlock yet. Now, I use the word yet as the operative word in that sentence, because around here, we do firmly believe that eventually Georgia's going to kick in the door. Eventually, Georgia's going to win a national championship. But if you look at Georgia thus far in the playoff era, which is the time in which Kirby Smart's been head coach here, if you look at Georgia in the playoff era, In five tries against coaches that have won college football playoff national championships, Georgia's lost all five of those games. A couple of times at Oregon LSU, three times to uh, Nick Saban, Alabama. And unfortunately, those five losses have all come by an average of 15 points. That not only has Georgia failed to get it done against the college football playoff national championship winning programs, In most instances, not all instances, but in most instances, the games themselves, by the time they were over, actually weren't even really all of that close. So that's what Georgia kind of has at stake, I believe, on Saturday when you start thinking about Clemson. It is another chance against a program that has won a couple of college football playoff national championships. It's the kind of program, Clemson, that if you beat them, you can say, this is who Georgia is now. Georgia used to be the kind of program that beat the good teams, maybe lost the great teams. Now Georgia's itself a great team, proving so by what it goes out and does against other great teams, Clemson included. And as you might imagine, that was a little bit of a topic yesterday when Kirby Smart held his first weekly press conference looking ahead to the Clemson game on Saturday. What's at stake? And Smart's belief, and this is kind of interesting, you know, Smart in the clip I'm about to play for you starts off by acknowledging just how big the game is and how much of a, an attraction a game like this is for the very best players in the country. Obviously, best players want to play in the best games, but understanding the way in which I just described this and the way that some media people are going to describe the nature of the game and, you know, the, the, the stakes, if one were to lose, George included, Smart, in the comment I'm about to play for you, then starts to play a little bit of defense against the notion of the, the game really being as big as people like me or the media types want to make it. Take a listen to this. I think it sets us up for a pretty interesting discussion for what Georgia truly can 
earn for itself against Clemson on Saturday. Here's Georgia coach Kirby Smart. The bottom line was our, our kids come to University of Georgia to play in big games. And uh, we had an opportunity to play uh, a really good opponent. And, you know, for me, it was what Georgia's about. I mean, our fans crave these kind of games. We as coaches crave these kind of games. You find out a lot more about yourself in these kind of games. And, and look, it, it, for you guys, it's, it's, it's everything. It's over if you don't win and everything's you want it all if you do win. For us, it's an opportunity to grow. It's going to make us better in our SEC schedule regardless of the outcome of the game. We're going to be a better team having played these guys. And they, they can say the same for playing us. And these opportunities are what you come to major colleges to play in. So listen, there's something that Smart says there that I think is 100% true. And there's something that Smart says there that I sort of wish he would say in a different way. Now, I'm going to totally acknowledge this. What Smart says publicly is his own business. He's got, a, he's got every right to, to think about, you know, and, and say publicly whatever he wants to. Keep the cards close to the vest, not give the media the salacious quote that it wants. If that's what he thinks the best way to prepare his team for the game on Saturday, then he's got every right to do that. But when Smart says, listen, whether we win or whether we lose this game, you know, ultimately kind of pivots to it not really being that big of a deal for every game that's coming after that. I think Smart's, ob- I think Smart's actually missing an opportunity. If that's truly the way that he views himself and his team in this game on Saturday, it's not just one of those things where you have to play defense against those who are going to raise the stakes for this game and say, after the fact, if Georgia were to lose it, and obviously I and the other folks we're watching right now or listening right now, hope that's not the case. But if Georgia were to lose the game, you know, there might be some people who step up and say, ah, same old Georgia. This is the kind of Georgia team that that's not capable of getting this kind of stuff done. And it almost sounds like there, what you're hearing from Smart, is a little bit of a defensive mechanism anticipating some might be jumping in and try to say that, in Smart's view, making too much out of what the game would possibly be. But I would suggest that on the base of what Smart says there, he almost runs the risk of not making not making enough of the game. Not because it's going to determine who wins the national championship one way or another, but because of the fact that it unlocks a possibility for Georgia, that Georgia actually, I believe, has more to gain by winning on Saturday than maybe Smart assumes there. And I'm not talking about you know national championship hype, or I'm not talking about... Um, you know, you know, anything coming from like the external factors, what media types are going to say, what fans are going to think or anything like that. I'm talking about I'm talking about what actually can happen inside the program, what actually can happen with the players themselves, what actually can happen with the with the private closed door meetings. I said a moment ago, what smart says publicly in all of this is his business. And frankly, he can choose to reveal or not reveal whatever he wants. But privately, I kind of hope the discussion's working out a little bit differently for UGA than what Smart just expressed there. I'll tell you more about why in a moment, but as a way of setting that up, let me let you hear Smart once again, kind of furthering the point about people like me, people who talk into a microphone, stream on video, go on television, write on the internet, making too much about the outcome of the game. This is Kirby Smart again. I think every game's a measuring stick, right? I mean, you measure yourself every game, how you perform and how you play. It's no different in this game. I mean, it'll be a national measuring stick for everybody to to say that, you know, oh, Georgia's either here or Georgia's gone. I, I acknowledge that. I understand that. That's not going to change how we prepare for this game. That's not going to change how we prepare for the next game. It's life. I don't think you ever judge things based on one game, but uh, that's obviously uh, something that's always on a continuum. And it's always going to be done. 
I, that, that doesn't stress me out because I know regardless of the outcome of this game, we're going to still have a good football team one way or the other. And uh, the job that I'll have to do will be very different depending on the outcome of this game. Uh, but Sunday morning, we're going to be worried about our next opponent. So I believe the outcome of the game on Saturday is more important than Kirby Smart suggests there. I'm going to take about 60 seconds. I'm going to try to convince you of the same thing. And I'm actually going to use someone else's words to do so. There's a guy who writes for Saturday Down South. His name is Matt Hayes. Matt's been kind of a national college football writer for a long time. Was at one point in time at the Sporting News, back when the Sporting News was a pretty big deal. Matt was their kind of big national college football writer. So he's been around the block a few times. And he was writing this week about what the stakes are for Georgia Clemson. And he really kind of echoed some of the things in his column that I said uh, yesterday on the show. But there was one thing in particular that Matt brought to the table that was a little bit fresh and new on something like this. Matt gets a quote from what he calls an SEC coach. And he doesn't reveal who the coach is. The coach, I guess, wanted to remain anonymous. But the coach in describing what's at stake for Georgia Clemson, I think, reveals to us something that's pretty important. And I want to read this quote to you, as, and I'm going to show it to you on the screen. And this, to me, is the proof that, that Georgia Clemson really does matter. It's more than just one game out of 12. It's the kind of moment, symbolically, that can unlock an entire new area of potential for UGA. This is the, this is the coach quoted by Matt Hayes, Saturday Down South. Let me read this to you. Uh, the coach tells Hayes, I tell you what, you see them, and I'll show this to you on the screen. Uh, I tell you what, you see them running the field, and there's no difference between them and Alabama. The coach says, same players, same team, same speed. Sometimes it's just a matter of winning a game and getting your players to see it can be done. The anonymous coach then goes on to say, belief is such a strong deal with young people. And that's like to me, and that's the anonymous SEC coach quoted by Matt Hayes this week at Saturday on South. That's why I think this Georgia Clemson game is so important. As I mentioned a moment ago, that Georgia has beaten the good teams, the Notre Dames, the Floridas, the, you know, Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. But those are teams that have not won college football playoff games. When Georgia's played the CFP national championship winning programs, the Alabamas, the LSUs, those are games which Georgia up to this point has kind of come up short. That, that possibly because you've seen that trend kind of repeat itself every year since uh, Georgia was last in the college football playoff in 2017, since you've seen that, that kind of pattern repeat itself, it is possible that somehow some disbelief has crept into the Georgia program. It is possible that maybe there are some Georgia players that wonder, can we really get it done against a team that's good enough to win a national championship? Are we good enough to beat the good, but not quite good enough to be the great? There is, a, there is a possibility that belief hasn't been fully cultivated on this Georgia roster as well as it has at a place like Alabama because they have seen their team do it, or at a place like Clemson because they've seen their team do it. And that's what Saturday provides a chance for for Georgia, a chance for these Georgia players to see themselves do it. We've heard a lot of players talk over the course of this offseason, including John Fitzpatrick yesterday, Kirby Smart's addressed this. Other players have been doing this now for months discussing the way in which this team has grown close together and the belief as has been expressed by a lot of folks within inside the program that close teams, close knit teams are also good teams. They are looking to rally around each other after being forced to stay apart from each other a lot during the 2020 season. Well, here's what I would suggest to you. What better way to rally around your teammates than rallying around the belief 
after a game one, week one win against Clemson, a team that has proven more than one time good enough to win a national championship. Georgia winning that game would be more than just one regular season win. It would be more than just one week out of 12. Now, maybe Kirby Smart in a press conference has to act like that's not quite the truth and not quite the way things are. But deep down, we all know that. And deep down, hopefully these Georgia coaches and players know that too. As the anonymous coach quoted by Saturday on South said, belief can be a powerful thing for young people. And on Saturday, the Georgia coaches and players that travel to Charlotte to take on Clemson get a chance to earn a whole bunch of belief in themselves once that game is done. All right, let me quickly also shift gears, mention this. Georgia also got big news yesterday when it comes to the 2022 recruiting class. Jacob Hood, gigantic offensive lineman, made his announcement, uh, his pledge to UGA. This was not necessarily unexpected. We talked about this on Friday's show, a little bit of a preview of what was going to go down on Monday afternoon. We also briefly previewed this a little bit on yesterday's show there too. But nonetheless, Hood comes to UGA. This is possibly a name that some Georgia fans are having to acquaint themselves with pretty quickly. And so as a way of helping you do that, I want to backtrack to Friday's show for a moment. When Hood made his announcement to Georgia, or when it was announced that he was going to be making his announcement, and a chance to ask Jeff Sintel, our Dog Nation recruiting insider, exactly what Hood brings to the table, what should Georgia fans know about him. And Jeff did a pretty good job of kind of laying out, you know, kind of what the last bit has been like for Hood and kind of where things are trending with him just ahead of what eventually became a Georgia decision. So let me let you very quickly hear what Jeff Sintel had to say about uh, Jacob Hood, who's now a member of the 2022 class. This is Jeff Sintel. I'll be frank. Hood's the type of prospect. He's a three-star developmental player, I'm going to say that. I think he's the number 35 or 39 offensive tackle in the country for this 2022 cycle. And he's about 6'8", still about 345 or so. And that's after, man, he lost something like 50 or 60 pounds during the pandemic. Changed his body, really became a a legit college football prospect. For the longest time, it's been kind of Georgia, Miami, Auburn. He's got a whole slew of family that are Georgia fans. A lot of family in the state of Georgia. So really good stuff from Jeff Sintel talking about the situation with Hood. And uh, Jeff's also got an interesting story coming up uh, at dognation.com regarding Hood because Hood's actually taking a little bit of an unorthodox approach for the senior year kind of not playing games right now. At least that's the reporting I believe that Jeff's going to share this today, uh, working on, you know, just getting himself ready for college. And so that's an interesting story regarding Hood. I'll let Jeff Sintel tell you more about that at dognation.com here today. But one thing you've heard me say a lot is when it comes to three-star prospects who outperform that expectation once they get to college, I think the one commonality those guys seem to share more often than, than not is a body transformation. I would say that for Jordan Davis, one of the things that's made him a much better player in college than maybe a lot of the recruiting industry or other coaches outside those at UGA probably thought he would be, uh, one of the things that's made Davis better than that was he himself has gone through a little bit of a body transformation. You just heard Jeff describe through pandemic, and listen, a lot of us gained a lot of weight during the pandemic. So to think that you uh, slimmed down during the pandemic is not an easy thing to necessarily do, but it sounds like that's what Hood did trimming down his body, getting to a more effective playing weight, uh, putting himself into the conversation as a major college prospect, so much so that the Auburns, the Miamis, the world programs like that were also nipping at Georgia's heels in pursuit of Hood. So it's a success story, really. And you look at Georgia and kind of what it's doing here with the 2022 class, 
Certainly an interesting addition to that class is Hood. If you want more on this, go to dognation.com and you can read from Jeff on that, uh, including an interesting story coming up still later on today about exactly what has kind of made you know Hood's uh, process heading into a senior year, senior what would be a senior football season, maybe a little bit different than you've come to expect. So good stuff with Jeff Sintel coming up on that. For now, though, let me remind you that I'm Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Happy to have you with us, no matter how you're getting to us, all the video platforms. And by the way, it was fun to do our first and 15 again today on video for our uh, our app viewers and our dognation.com viewers. Also, a little bit of a free preview for the other platforms there as well. That's something we're going to do each and every day at dognation.com. And on the Dog Nation app, and of course, the show after that, we kind of think of as the big show, the real show, will be available for all the other platforms as per usual, all the podcast platforms too. And of course, with the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, the Rav. And we would not be able to do this, including being able to pivot on a dime and, you know, uh, get a little bit of an illness, a little bit of a sickness today. Our, our producer for Tuesday was supposed to be Connor Riley, uh, not able to be here. And we're able to just kind of pivot on a dime and make make some changes and do some things and the show's still on the air it's those resources that we have that allow us to do that that i'm very grateful for and if it wasn't for the support of folks like engineered solutions of georgia we would not have those resources so please keep esog in mind for your foundation your waterproofing issues and you know it was raining on me when i was driving into our dog nation world headquarters studios this morning rained a lot yesterday it's going to rain a lot over the course of the next couple of days of course our prayers are with the folks in Louisiana, other places that have had it so much worse. They've been hit with the brunt of the storm and we kind of get the, the after effects of all of that, but it does bring about some concerns for you as a homeowner. You see water creeping into your basement, your garage, your crawl space, something like that, or you see the way in which water over time can impact the structural integrity of your home. You're maybe noticing some of those cracks in the walls or issues with your foundation. You know, that could be the sign of a bigger problem and maybe you've held off or been slow about doing what you need to do to take care of all of that. So let me encourage you not to procrastinate any longer, that it's actually a really enjoyable process when you reach out to my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. First of all, they're proud partners of UGA. They've been supporting the dogs for a long time. It's always fun to support those that support the dogs. And they've been good friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily there as well. And so you certainly have my hearty thanks for supporting those who've been supporters for us. I certainly appreciate all of that. They've got two full-time engineers on staff. They're a solutions-based company. That means when it comes to your foundation waterproofing issues, they can give you, whether it's a simple fix or something that's a little bit more complicated, they can give you the expert advice that you need to get the peace of mind knowing that your most important asset is well taken care of. And to top it all off, they're also incredibly easy to get in touch with there as well. You can just simply give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. Engineered Solutions of Georgia will take care of you if your foundation waterproofing issue. So I mentioned Connor being a little ill today, not able to be with us. A uh, really good pinch hitter. You talk about a good guy coming off the bench today. Normally our Wednesday guest, Mike Griffith, slips in on Tuesday. And we'll talk about some of the things that uh, I discussed a moment ago, but also Mike's own thoughts about how the game plays out against Clemson on Saturday. There'll certainly be a spirited conversation here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, let's go around the doghouse. Presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. Always great to have uh, Georgia's Own with us and great to be able to do Around the Doghouse with you here today. So let me kind of, as we go around the doghouse uh, presented by Georgia's Own, kind of slightly further a conversation I was having a moment ago and kind of take it in a different direction there too. We talked about the belief that can be earned from winning a game against Clemson. That's the kind of opponent we haven't really seen Georgia beat yet. We've seen Georgia beat the good teams. Florida's a good team. Georgia's beaten them plenty. Oklahoma, a 
perennial playoff team, but hasn't won a playoff game yet. Georgia got that win. But the programs that have won national championships, most commonly Alabama, but even LSU, those are the kinds of teams we haven't seen Georgia beat yet. So by beating Clemson on Saturday, that's a level of achievement that Georgia will have earned and a belief that can be instilled because of that. But in order to do that, there is some level of confidence that you have to have going into a game. And I can't help but think about all the things which uh, have been said about JT Daniels, the Georgia quarterback, over the course of the offseason, because when it comes to setting the tone for how people feel, the level of confidence going into a game, when you have all of that, you know, it's your quarterback that I think sets the tone for the feeling for the rest of the program. In fact, former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards has said that on the show that it's great to have good leaders, but when it's your quarterback who's providing the leadership, all of a sudden that's just an extra level. That's just something even more substantial when the leadership vibe is created by your quarterback. And that's why the words of Daniels matter so much because Daniels is an eloquent speaker. But beyond that, he seems to have kind of an uncommon level of insight into how his own psyche works and how kind of the best mental approach to take for football. And you want this to be a confident Georgia team going on Saturday. You Maybe more confident after the win, possibly, but you want there to be some confidence going into the game there as well. And so with that in mind, I thought that Daniels, when he spoke with reporters yesterday, was asked a very interesting question and gave a very profound answer. He was asked about, you know, feeling nerves pregame when he remembered feeling the most nervous. And Daniels, I think, does a really good job of putting all that anxiety into context and kind of how he tries to, to approach those butterflies in the stomach going into a game like Clemson. Once again, I, I listen to JT talk all day long. This is an example of that. The question, when were you most nervous for a game? He harkens back to a time early in his USC career, but then pivots it for the game against Clemson on Saturday. Really good audio to hear as part of Around the Doghouse presented by Georgia's own credit union. Take a listen to it right now. The most nervous I've been was Texas. Um, my freshman year playing at Texas, there's 104,000 in the stands. And that was my first time really experiencing crowd noise. You got to scream to tell your running back that's a foot away from you what to do. It, it, it was unbelievable. Even then, after about the first drive or the first couple plays, you really start to calm down naturally. I think my best way of dealing with nerves is just understanding what nerves are. And it's just your body's uh, response to, you know, knowing that you're doing something that means something to you and something that matters. And just to breathe through it and be excited for the moment. The way that you approach it with your perspective makes a big difference compared to if the nerves are going to bring you down or uh, help build you up. Don't you love that? I mean, don't you love that from Daniels? Hey, I know what nerves are. That's just my body telling me that what I'm doing matters. And, you know, at the risk of, uh, I guess, being opposite what Kirby Smart said a moment ago, this isn't just one game out of 12. This isn't one, just one regular season game. This game will feel different. And if you're a true freshman, that feeling is probably a little bit of a surprise that, that maybe you don't quite know what to do with the, the weight that, that you feel the the weight on your shoulders because of how many people are watching and how much discussions about it and and what you have a chance to earn for yourself by winning it you know no matter how much you want to make it one game out of 12 the actual feeling around the game is just different than that right we all we all can notice that that's just reality but the more that you have been in moments like that and as daniel said listen he played on the road at texas you know he's you know played now in sanford stadium he's been in a couple of sec games been here at uga there for a while that even though cognitively he may know that it's not just one game out of 12, 
even though he's aware of that, uh, that, it, that, that it's going to feel bigger in the moment, the fact that he can still calm all that down. And for, the, for those of you who you know like the movie Hoosiers, I, I've always liked that basketball movie where they measure the basket there at Hinkle Fieldhouse, and it's just 10 feet from the floor, the same way it is back in Hickory. Uh, you know, the foul line to the goal, still just 15 feet away, that you can do your own version of that in football. Yes, this is the biggest stage I've ever played on, biggest game I've ever played in, but I can compartmentalize all this and still make my mind treated as I would treat my normal process. But you have to have been in that before, I think, to really be able to do that. And JT Daniel seems to have a really good perspective on all that. Really good stuff from uh, JT. And if you want to catch back up on the JT Daniels press conference or the Kirby Smart press conference or any of that stuff, Best way to do that, go to the Dog Nation YouTube page and you can see all of that. Good stuff yesterday from John Fitzpatrick. Good stuff yesterday from, from Nicobe Dean, the Georgia linebacker. All of that available for you at the Dog Nation YouTube page. Make sure you become a subscriber to the Dog if you have not already. But uh, for now, we'll call that Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. And one of the great things that Georgia's Own Credit Union can provide for you is access to a Georgia's Own Visa Signature or Platinum card. Now, I love these cards because of the features and benefits they offer. They make your life more convenient in a lot of ways. Plus, they just provide you a lot of bonuses, too. First of all, you can have contactless payments. That makes making your payment each and every month very, very easily. Uh, but also, you can get flex rewards. They can really be used for just about anything. Gift cards, travel, cash back, merchandise. And as a bonus, when you sign up, you can earn up to $150 when you get yourself one of these new platinum or signature cards. So check out georgiazone.org for more information on this. There are some restrictions that apply, so find out about that for yourself. georgiazone.org and take advantage of the Visa signature and platinum cards from our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. All right, before we're done today, a lot to get to with the SEC. Big news coming out of Tennessee in regards to a starting quarterback. And really some pretty big news coming out of Florida that I think Gators fans are celebrating, but I'm not quite so sure is as worthy of celebration as they may think. We'll talk about that before we're done. Oh, it's a slightly different version of Dog Nation Daily presented by ESOG for us here today. But one thing that's not changed, every week we get really good up-to-the-minute information about what's been going at UGA practice and the preparations of the upcoming game, including the big one this Saturday against Clemson. So with that in mind, Let's get ready to do a uh, Dog Nation practice report from our buddy Mike Griffith. It's all brought to you by Georgia Farm Bureau. It's great to have him and all of you with us there as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Mike, thanks for your flexibility. Appreciate you being here. And, you know, Mike, you've been around the block a million times. You've you know covered a number of programs. Big games just feel different, don't they? I mean, oh, and I, by the way, for those watching on video, Mike's got a, a Bank of America Stadium Zoom background. He's not already in Charlotte. He's just uh, playing that part here for us on TV. But big games just feel different, right? I mean, it's just exciting to have the the juice that comes from a game like what George's about to play for Clemson. I'm sure the folks up there in the upstate of South Carolina would say the same thing about UGA. It just feels different, feels fun to have the big game, right? Oh, there's no question. I mean, this is only the fourth time since 2000 BA that we've seen two top five teams playing an opening season game. So, I mean, you've got the the excitement of it being the opener, Kirby Smart 5-0 and in openers, and then you throw in the big game environment, neutral site, and two top five teams. A guy that's your friends with, Matt Hayes, writing for Saturday on South, quotes an anonymous SEC coach 
regarding the Georgia Clemson game saying that when he looks at Georgia, he sees everything similar to Alabama, same level of player, same level of talent, same level of everything. But obviously in the biggest games, Georgia just hasn't quite gotten it done. What the coach suggests is that sometimes a big win unlocks all of that, that, that he says that belief can be a powerful thing for players. And I take that pretty seriously in a game like this, Mike, that even though Kirby kind of downplayed the importance of Georgia Clemson yesterday, in my mind, I think there is a lot to be gained by Georgia in a win like this. I do think you can make yourself as a player or maybe even a coach, certainly probably the players more so, you can make yourself a believer. You've used the phrase buy-in before in a game like this, that when you see your team capable of beating a team that's always in the college football playoff and has won a couple of national championships, all of a sudden the, the, the chemistry of the Georgia team, it seems almost impossible that it couldn't be enhanced by all of that. Do you agree? Yeah, you know, first, I, I guess I thought beating Oklahoma was a big game. I thought beating Notre Dame twice, I thought those were big games. I thought beating Florida three years in a row to win the East, I thought that was a big game. I thought beating Auburn in the SEC title uh, game was a big game. I thought those were all. I thought beating Baylor, I think being 4-0 and in non-conference games against top 10 teams, I consider those big games when you beat a, a top 10 team. So people are selective with that term. Um, you know, if you just want to call out the elephant in the room, they're 0-3 against Alabama. That's, you know, other than that, I don't think anybody expected a depleted Georgia team to beat LSU, uh, Joe Burrow's magical year. So uh, I, I would take offense and take exception to saying Kirby doesn't win big games. I think that's ridiculous. Um, but the point is, is uh, they haven't beat Alabama. You know, Clemson, this is a different flavor. Um, this is a different non-conference team. Are they really one of the five best? I don't know. They're the best in the ACC. Uh, so does that mean you're an automatic top five team if you run rough shot over a poor league? Some people think so. Um, I'm not sure what to say about Clemson yet, Brandon. I mean, who knows? Maybe North Carolina beats Clemson this year. Maybe this is a three-loss Clemson team. Certainly right now, Clemson looks every bit as formidable uh, when you consider that they're a three-point favorite, that they've won six games in a row in the stadium. They go there every year. They're going to be comfortable uh, they've got a tremendous amount of experience back on defense. Um, so I, I think beating this beating Clemson would be big for Georgia, but I think beating Cincinnati was big for Georgia, you know, with five starters out having to come from behind. I, I think every game you win, you build on to, but to your point, because it's a marquee event, because it's a top five team, I, I think it would probably enhance the buy-in a, a little bit more even. Well, and over the course of the last couple of days, I've also said a little bit differently, too, and I want your thoughts on this, that you're 100% right. It's great to beat Florida as much as Georgia has. The 2018 game was big. The 2019 game was big. You can count bowl wins against the Baylors and Cincinnati's. Obviously, Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl is the most memorable sporting moment of my lifetime, the home-and-home -home series against Notre Dame. But the one thing that all those teams have in common is none of those programs have won a college football playoff game. In the five games that Georgia has played against teams that have won college football playoff national championships, unfortunately, Georgia's lost all five of those by an average of 15 points. That's not me bashing Georgia. I'm obviously a huge UGA fan. You know that. Mike, what I'm saying is, is that there is a stair step above beating the good teams to now beating the great teams. And I would suggest that Clemson, because they've gone, what, 11-3 and three against SEC teams since 2015, beating Alabama twice, that – in terms of the caliber of program, this Clemson team is more like the teams that Georgia's been recently losing to 
than it is the good teams that Georgia's been recently beating. I would agree with that. Lincoln Riley hasn't won a playoff game yet either, by the way. I don't hear anybody bashing him. Um, but to your point, yes, I would agree that Clemson is another level up. Um, in fact, if you look at the coaches with the best active winning percentages in the country, Dabo Sweeney and, and uh, Nick Saban are two of the three that are ahead of Kirby Smart. So to your point, yes, uh, I, I think people overdo it on the Georgia, you know, biggest underachiever. I, I, I find that it seems to me the Big Ten media, you know, rather than, than look, in the, look for the uh, skeletons in their own closets of coaches trying to uh, cancel the season and changing rules to navigate Ohio State into the playoff. They'd rather talk about Georgia not beating Alabama, which, again, is what this comes down to. Uh, Kirby's never played Dabo. Uh, Georgia has a history of success. If we're going to talk about program history, uh, Georgia's had a lot of success against Clemson over the years. Um, you know, traditionally, 2014, obviously the last time Clemson lost a regular season game against an SEC team. And it's not like they've just dominated, okay? So part of that 10-game regular season win streak, five of those are South Carolina. But you've had AM that's played them real close, as well as Auburn. So it's not like Clemson's just run roughshod. I think Clemson's been a fresh team at the end of the year, and I think Dabo Sweeney and his staff are, are excellent coaches. Um, but I do believe, and I think the point you're making here, is this this would certainly enhance Georgia's image. But I can tell you, B.A., even if, if Georgia beats Clemson, which I predict they will do, uh, there's still going to be people that say, well, this is just a bad Clemson team and you haven't beat Alabama yet. So it's interesting you bring up the Auburn game, the Texas A&M game. Let me transition the conversation to this. You're right. Um, you know, you had moments when which Auburn and, Cle- and Texas A&M both played uh, Clemson pretty close. But the one thing that both Auburn and A&M had in common in those games is they didn't score very many points. And I mentioned this to John Stinchcomb yesterday, and I'll give it to you here now there as well. In fact, we'll do a little bit of a true or false question. I believe that Georgia has to score 30 at least to win on Saturday. True or false in your mind? I'm going false. My score is 27-23. I mean, I think the problem with that, Mike, is, is that that's not really taking into account what Clemson has looked like when it has lost. It lost seven times since 2015. You're talking about big point total for Ohio State a year ago, big point total for LSU the year before that. You know, uh, when Alabama has beaten Clemson, they've, you know, uh, certainly going back to the 2015 National Championship game, had to score a lot of points to do so. The year that Pitt upset them, they scored a lot of points in doing so that it has seemingly taken, I mean, on average, the seven games that, that Clemson's lost in 2015, they've allowed 40 points per game on average in those seven losses, that, that there aren't a lot of instances in which Clemson has lost while also you know, not allowing a lot of points. You have to go back to 2017 to find the last time Clemson lost a game without giving up at least 40 points while doing so. So I'm not saying Georgia has to have the 40 that Ohio State had a year ago, LSU had the year before that. But, boy, there's just not a lot of instances of Clemson losing a game played in the 20s, unfortunately. I would agree. I was actually at that game, and Alabama absolutely destroyed him in the playoff. That really – I don't know how that, that Clemson team was ranked number one, and Georgia got chipped out west to play a much better Oklahoma team. Um, but I, I think you have to look at the circumstance. I, I look at the current circumstance more than the history, and, and I, I, do th- I do take historical trends into consideration – but, Brandon, I don't know when the last time was the Clemson run game was this poor. I mean, this is a run game that was only 11th in the ACC last year. And quite frankly, they're struggling this year to put a line together. They don't even know who their center is going to be. They just lost a, a first-round NFL running back to the NFL draft, obviously. They lost a, the number one pick overall at quarterback. And they lost two, starter, two starters off 
you know, was a pretty mediocre line, a pretty suspect line. And conversely, they're going up against the Georgia defensive front that's that's absolutely loaded. I mean, if there's one area where Georgia should dominate, it's their defensive front against Clemson's offense. And and therefore, I don't think Clemson is just going to be able to sit back there and be one dimensional and throw the ball exclusively and score a lot of points. Conversely, uh, this is a Georgia team. Um, that as good as JT Daniels is, and you've heard Aaron Murray has questions about the receivers. Obviously, Kirby Smart does too. He made comments to that effect. Uh, this is a Georgia team that's going to be careful throwing the ball around because Clemson has a very good defensive front. And that's why I think this particular matchup uh, favors the under. You know, And when I first saw that number at 53, I really balked because my first inclination was like many others that this is going to be a shootout. But the more you think about it, the more you realize these coaches aren't going to want their quarterback getting hit, and they're going to both work to attain balance with the run game. It's interesting stuff, Mike. I want to, in the time we have left, and I've kept you long, and I apologize, I kind of want to bounce through some of the other big topics with Georgia. For that, let me remind you, this is a practice report with Mike Griffin. It's brought to you by our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau. Listen, Georgia Farm Bureau is always the home team. They're supporting the communities in Georgia in so many different ways. Obviously, I'm so proud of the fact that Georgia as a state has such a great agricultural legacy, history of putting food on the tables of folks across our state, really across our country and across our world. Georgia Farm Bureau celebrates that there as well. They support agricultural programs across our great state, and they also help people save on their home, their auto, their uh, life insurance. There are all those ways in which you can connect with Georgia Farm Bureau. In fact, you can check them out online. It's a gfbinsurance.com. That's the website, gfbinsurance.com. Go to the website, play around there, search all the options available to you, and you can find out what I've been telling you and have been saying now for a couple of years. Georgia Farm Bureau is always the home team. All right, Mike, speaking of our home team, the Georgia Bulldogs here for a moment. Interesting stuff from Kirby Smart yesterday. You know, there's been some internet stuff regarding Darnell Washington, Tyke Smith. I take none of that seriously. You know, a little bit interesting what Smart said about the offensive line uh, in terms of, you know, Erickson, I guess, trying to give it a go, but I'm not quite so sure what to make about that. But ultimately, it's your opinion that matters right now because I'm the one that's interviewing you. So I'll give you a chance to speak about this. <laughs> what do you make of the injury front? And just give me whatever you want to in terms of a couple of uh, bullet points about what matters for Georgia right now in its preparation for Saturday. Sure. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot of talk on on Tyke and Darnell. I, I know Kirby doesn't like injury information. If they play, I'd be I'd be stunned. I'd be shocked. I did use the word doubtful in my injury report, uh, just because I never say never. Uh, Kirby's good at keeping secrets, and I don't blame him on a situation like this. You know, he doesn't want to reveal who's going to play and who doesn't. But I have a hard time believing either one of those guys is going to play. He said Erickson was practicing, but he didn't say he was snapping. And he did allude earlier that he could also play guard. So maybe he's yeah. in the guard rotation. I think Van Pran is your center. Uh, all indications are such. So that's kind of where I stand on that front. Um, bullet points is just, you know, these are going to be valuable ones-on-ones. You got some really green cornerbacks out there, Keely Ringo in particular. If Keely gets pressed into the starting role, which which I predict that he will, I think Kirby always uh, has typically gone with the the high ceiling guy. I think Amir Speed is is probably had a better off season, but I think Ringo is a, is a more of a high ceiling guy. Um, but I think those corners reps will be very important. Uh, Darian Kendrick, um, this is an area where, where George has really kind of got caught 
you know, with, with their guard down. I mean, you just don't expect Georgia to be this weak and inexperienced in the secondary that Kirby oversees. But in, in the star position with Tyke's uh, injury, and then you throw in Major Burns transferred out, Tyreek Stevenson transferred out. I mean, uh, you know, Otis Reese, for that matter, transferred out. I mean, you've lost a lot of talent in that secondary, and, and this is your potential championship run, and you kind of got what you got. So my bullet point there is that these reps are going to be very important for these corners. Uh, I think it's important that they don't get scorched or that they don't break assignment in the secondary because I don't think Clemson can sustain drives if Georgia is assignment sound. So to me, that's that's a one bullet point. The other one is the run game. And this offensive line is working. It's a very good defensive front. Uh, they've had some success. I think Georgia is a better run front than Clemson based on the fact they've led the nation the last two years. I think Kendall Milton could have a really big day. And I think that it's going to be important that um, that John Fitzpatrick is back because that double tight end formation gives Georgia a lot more opportunities uh, to create mismatches and dictate things to Clemson. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Let me finish with this real quick. When you look at uh, Karis Jackson, when you look at John Fitzpatrick, how big is it to get Fitzpatrick back? Uh, I know the answer to that, but I want you to tell everybody else. And just what, what you think Jackson's – level of health is for a game like this yeah i mean you know kiris is going to run the right route be where he's supposed to be he's a veteran you know he's he's a dog he's one of those guys that's going to fight and block and it sounds boring until you realize that that george has really struggled to break the big play kirby was asked about the lack of big runs he put some of it on the downfield blocking put some of it on zamir white he didn't say zamir white but he said we didn't break enough tackles at the second level a lot of those carries have been Zamir White. I think that's why Milton um, – and Milton's had a great camp. That's the other thing. I mean, this isn't that Zamir is any worse than he was. I think Zamir White is still a good back. I just think Kendall Milton has a chance to be a great back, and maybe even in this game. Fitzpatrick is huge, Brandon. If you'd have told me a year ago that I'd be raving about how important it is that John Fitzpatrick, with his career-high four catches for 41 yards in a bowl game, would be this important, I'd have told you we're crazy. But when I look at the things that that Munkin's trying to do and what this double tight end set does uh, with Brock Bowers being the other tight end, not really a a dual threat conventional tight end, more of a matchup kind of H-back guy, um, you know, putting Fitzpatrick in there is a real linchpin, I think, to the offense. And now it's really unfortunate Darnell won't go because he's another guy that can knock down the guy across from you or go out for the route. But I think Fitzpatrick is a really big key in this football game because it opens up that A set, that double tight end set portion of the playbook. And I think Georgia likes their matchups there because Clemson's front, while it's ferocious, is a little bit smaller and lighter. So that double tight end look could cause a lot of problems for the Tigers. You look at Ohio State went for over 200 yards rushing last year. All the talk about Clemson having all these guys back, everybody got amnesia and forgot. Ohio State was able to run it down their throat. If Georgia can do that, then they'll win this game even more convincingly than my 27-23 prediction that they'd win. All right, Mike, interesting stuff all the way around. Appreciate that. Looking forward to reading a lot more from you at dognation.com. And just appreciate your flexibility hopping on the show here today. Uh, Fascinating insight. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you in Charlotte, and we will look forward to talking to you then. Thanks, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, good stuff there from uh, Mike Griffith. uh, Looking ahead to that game with our Georgia Farm Bureau practice report all the way around. Pretty interesting there as well. We'll roll into an SEC through here and get you an update on some of the stuff happening around the SEC. 
Also start thinking about some of those point spreads for week one there as well. We'll talk about a lot of this on Go With The Flow coming up on Friday in the Dog Nation video channels. But obviously, it's your own opinions that matter on this. Some of you have expertise on these games, and you're ready to make some money on that expertise. And as you start thinking about that, I want you to think about my friends at BetUS when you do so. First of all, BetUS, America's most beloved sports book, because... They've been doing this more than 25 years. You don't stick around as long as they have unless you're taking really good care of your players. Great incentives, and that's one of the things that BetUS is truly famous for. In fact, they've got a special offer right now for those who sign up for the first time uh, here, Dog Nation Daily listeners and all of this. So go to BetUS.com. Use the promo code DN125. It's DN125. That's going to give you 125% sign-up bonus on your initial deposit. So simple math, here's how this works. Let's say you put in $100. If you do that, then BetUS is going to give you an additional $125 on top of that. It's 125% sign-up bonus. You're literally a winner before you place your first bet. That's really fun stuff. It's the kind of ways in which BetUS has been taking care of folks for a really long time. You got all the odds of the college football playoff games. You're trying to think about the pros on Sundays or the other sports there as well. You can take advantage of all of that. The lines that we use on this show this year are going to come to you via BetUS. We're going to have a good time looking at those point spreads. You can have a good time yourself. Take advantage of the big offer, though. BetUS.com, the website, DN125, the promo code. That's DN125, and you get a 125% sign-up bonus with our friends at BetUS. With that in mind, let's uh, roll through our SEC through here just for a moment. And this, to me, is a very interesting story. Now, first of all, this is playing out a little bit differently than I thought was even possible by rules, which I guess kind of shows you what I know. But you may remember a few weeks ago, we talked about Auburn defensive lineman Tyrone Truesdale entering the transfer report. Truesdale had been a multi-year starter for Auburn along its defensive line. That's a huge blow for Brian Harson's program. And what we said at the time, because it's kind of conventional wisdom coming out of the Plains, that because Truesdale was transferring so late in the process that he wasn't going to be eligible to play at an FBS school, here in 2021 that he would have to either go the FCS route or whatever else. There was a bigger deal that he was leaving Auburn, but his transfer destination wasn't going to matter that much. Well, come to find out, uh, according to what they're saying now in his new destination, Gainesville, Florida, University of Florida says, no, one-time transfer rule, Truesdale's eligible to play for Florida right away. In fact, Gators defensive coordinator Todd Grantham suggests he'll play on Saturday in Florida season opening against Florida Florida Atlantic. Now, is that true? I, I don't know, but it is really interesting that that Florida does, who's, listen, they've become very famous for their utilization of the transfer portal. This is an interesting example of that because of how late in the process it comes, and plus it's the example of taking a starter-level player from one SEC team and putting on another SEC team. There's a huge balance of power shift, transfer of resources when Truesdale leaves Auburn, ends up at Florida, and Obviously, Gators fans think they have plenty of reason to celebrate on all of this. But I mean, just think about the downside of this for a moment. I mean, you can say, well, I'm a Gator hater for bringing this up. Maybe I am. But imagine your players have gone through an entire offseason. Those who've been here going through weight room stuff in the winter, spring practice, then summer practice. And, you know, you think you're at a certain spot on the depth chart. And then lo and behold, here we are just a couple days before the game, and they're announcing, ah, oh, Tyrone Truesdale, Auburn transfer, he's here. He's going to play right away. And given the fact that he was a starter at Auburn, the assumption is he's coming to Florida for a reason, which is to play a lot of snaps and take playing time away from somebody else. Now, the obvious hypocrisy here, and I'm going to acknowledge that, if I'm a Florida fan or if I'm certainly a Florida coach, I want the best roster I can get. And if you have a chance to add this player late in the process, you do that. But this thing does not come without cost. These type of moves 
there is a little bit of a price to be paid for them. And this is the kind of thing that will create opportunities for negative recruiting against Florida. Now, for the most part, the Gators aren't worth negative recruiting against because they don't recruit well enough to really earn any of that kind of stuff. But you better believe that one of the reasons why Dan Mullen has been slow to be accepted by one of the high school coaches in the state of Florida, the elite prospects in that area as well, is because of stuff like this. Can you trust Mullen to really allow you to keep your spot on the roster, or is he going to sweep in, swoop in, and you know pull some sort of rent-to-player transfer to take the playing time that you thought you had earned? Florida may be better on the field with Truesdale as its defensive lineman, but that kind of stuff does not come without cost. Also, you know, M- Mullen has acknowledged kind of some recruiting gaps that you know, in other words, players who left that weren't quickly replaced for why Truesdale adding him was even necessary. What does that say about your program that you need a guy like this, this late in the process? And yeah, I know Florida fans are going to say, ah, B.A., you're just jealous that Florida's got a defensive line. Honestly, Georgia's defensive line is just fine. Uh, Georgia's not you know, making these kind of light last-minute moves. They did make some transfer portal moves, and when Georgia has a chance to make itself better through the portal, I'm glad they're able to do that. But, I mean, come on, if you're Florida, this late in the game, you're scrambling to, to, to fill a spot in your roster because you don't think you have what it takes other than that. That's not a great look. That is not a uh, great look in this case for Florida, but uh, Truesdale, valuable asset to the Auburn program. Losing him was a loss for Brian Harson, and by that count, gaining him at Florida will seemingly be a win for Dan Mullen, but maybe a, a win that comes with a little bit of a cost. Same kind of attitude I have about Joe Milton being named the starting quarterback at Tennessee. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a hater today, and if I am, just tell me I am. But – To me, this is a weird move all the way around, even if it's been kind of predicted by every move over the course of the last few weeks. Here's my point on all this, that if you're Josh Heupel, you want to be at Tennessee three years from now. That's that. That's your goal. You got to you got to kind of survive the storm that gives you a chance to still be the coach here three years from now. That's something Jeremy Pruitt had a hard time with. That's something that previous Tennessee coaches had a hard time with. Just finding a way to still be employed after a few years. Not an easy thing there in Knoxville. So to me, while you don't want to be embarrassing your first year because Tennessee fans have been through a lot and they will absolutely lash out on you if you're embarrassing, you don't want to be embarrassing. The future is still more important than the present. And when you think about a guy like Harrison Bailey, quarterback out of Marietta High School, a lot of Georgia fans know who he is because they live in the state of Georgia and they remember Bailey throwing to Eric Gilbert. And Bailey was just a guy that's you know gotten some attention because Marietta was very good, had a lot of college prospects throughout his career and certainly his senior season. So you got that guy who at one point in time seemed like he might be loyal to Jeremy Pruitt and then leaving the Tennessee program once Pruitt got fired, decides to stick around after a whole bunch of Tennessee folks into the transfer portal. And essentially, you basically ignore all of that and name one of your transfer players as starting quarterback. Now, listen, I get the idea you want the best possible quarterback, but we've seen Joe Milton in a big spot before. Milton at one point in time was hyped up to a large degree there at Michigan. The results were unspectacular against not always the best Big Ten competition in the world. So it's one thing to mortgage your future because you have a chance to have a very good quarterback right now. It's another thing to mortgage your future because you have the kind of quarterback that frankly lost his job at a mediocre Michigan program. Boy, I'm not quite so sure if I'm a Vols fan what I make of all of this. Do you really want to invite more of your players to go in the transfer portal, late edition of a Joe Milton you know, making other guys, whether it be Hinton Hooker who transferred to this program, likely regret that, or players who stuck around like Harrison Bailey probably regret that there as well. I mean, do you really want to become 
your own version of kind of a rent-a-player type program. I think by naming a starting quarterback such as Bailey, now I'm not at Tennessee practice. I don't know how Bailey performed. He could have been awful. And if that be the case, then, you know, so be it. But if you got a chance to the way that you name your starting quarterback to establish something that could give you a better chance of still being employed three years from now. I don't know that Joe Milton's getting that done, but we won't have to wait long to find out. Tennessee opens on Thursday night. Our thoughts on Tennessee, bad team, loses a lot of games, probably scores a lot of points in the process. Maybe Milton helps them do that. It was certainly an interesting move. Coming from Alabama, also interesting as well. You've heard a lot of chatter lately about the Alabama tight end, Jaleel Billingsley. He was kind of a preseason all-SEC selection. He's also, when media types have put together their list of possible breakout players within the league, Billingsley's name shows up on those lists a lot. He was also the subject of a fairly you know, well-known Nick Saban rant a couple of days ago got a lot of attention. The idea that it's not a democracy and the things that Billingsley had to do to re-earn Nick Saban's trust. Well, for now, Billingsley is not listed as a starter in the Alabama depth chart. Now, Georgia doesn't even release depth chart. Alabama does. And Alabama, you know, commonly mentions this guy or that guy starting. But in the case of Billingsley, he's one of the oars below the named starter for the game on Saturday against Miami. So, listen, Alabama's got a ton of playmakers. Their season's not going to hinge one way or another on Jaleel Billingsley. But there are a lot of people who believe that Billingsley can be a breakout player. And for now, he is seemingly having a hard time breaking into the lineup to even have a chance to do that. So that probably remains a story worth following and watching. And then finally this, obviously just so sad about the devastation in the state of Louisiana. This has been a tough thing to watch. A uh, state that's had too much bad news over the course of the recent years, now dealing with more of that. And our prayers will continue for those who've had the, their homes impacted by this, but also we'll think about the football part of this there as well. And Oklahoma had signed on for a two-for-one deal with Tulane, obviously going to New Orleans, fun place to play a road game. And so you bring the green wave up to Norman for a couple of games. You go to New Orleans for a game there as well. And this was supposed to be the day that – this season anyway, that Oklahoma is going to Tulane, but the weather will not make that a possibility. That game now being shifted back to Norman, Oklahoma. So Oklahoma Tulane will be played on Saturday, be played in Norman instead of where it's supposed to be played in New Orleans. So make a note of that. LSU going to Pasadena this week to play UCLA. They'd make plans to displace themselves anyway in anticipation of the weather. So unfortunately, the state of Louisiana dealing with more Bad weather talking. You hate to see that's just a fact of life. We are in the hurricane season, and so much of the SEC footprint kind of butts up against Gulf Coast, Atlantic region. And you think about that kind of thing this time of year. And unfortunately, the folks in Louisiana have thought about that too much. So awkward transition to that from something not enjoyable to something a lot more fun. But as you think about tailgating this upcoming weekend, as you think about dog nation invasions, upcoming tailgate for this weekend. We're thinking about the finish long drink because the finish long drink going to be on the bus with us. And they're at the tailgate there too. We love the long drink. So many of you have shared your images of enjoying it over the course of the summer. And now it's time to turn this into a tailgate beverage. And I can't wait to do that. But it's the long drink strong, the long drink traditional. I like that in the blue can. It's got the gin kick, the citrus grapefruit flavor. There's a long drink zero. What if you like the long drink cranberry? In fact, a lot of the, you know, Athens bars can't even probably keep that on the uh, shelves. The folks love that long drink cranberry there. Uh, a lot of you are still waiting to try it for the first time yourself this weekend with football back. Great chance to do that. So go to the longdrink.com. Find a way to enjoy some of that. I think you'll be really glad that you did. It tastes great. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail right out of the can, easy to drink, delicious 
So try yourself some Finnish long drink. They call it the Finnish long drink because it's from Finland, but it's in the United States now. And if you go to the longdrink.com, you can find out where it is near you. All right. As we wrap up kind of a little bit different version of our show today, I want to do this a couple of different ways. First of all, we'll do our golden shoe. And to be completely honest with you, I was sort of hoping somebody would send this to me this week because I wanted to use it. And I haven't gotten it yet from anybody. So I guess I'm going to give myself the golden shoe. Just use an excuse to, to show this on the screen. So when I was a kid, George played Clemson each and every year. There was a very popular T-shirt that got sold at the UGA bookstore way back then. And I don't know. I'm guessing they don't have these back at the bookstore again for this year, although I think it'd be cool if they did. So you'll see this in the screen for those of you watching on video. Kind of an old kind of, you know, hillbilly looking guy named Clem. And then Clem's, you know, young hillbilly looking son. So it's Clem and Clem's son. And this was always the thing that Georgia fans used to wear back in the 80s as a way of mocking Clemson and having a good time at the Tigers' expense when the Tigers would come into Sanford Stadium back in the great days of that rivalry, 80 when Georgia won the national championship, 81 Clemson did that, the rematch between both those teams in 82, the Kevin Butler game in 84, the years after that, the Clem, the Clemson's T, Clemson T-shirt became pretty popular. And so as a way of kind of hearkening back to that, I went online, I found the image and wanted to show that to you today. So I'll make myself the golden shoe winner for pulling that up and pulling that out. Also, Gatorator Countdown, another big rivalry for the dogs in Jacksonville. Just 60 days from right now. Can't wait for that one either. But first, big stuff to take care of against the Tigers. So thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG. We'll see all of you back here again tomorrow. And on video and the podcast, let's go ahead and do uh, Michael, my producer, remotely here today. Let's go ahead and do both of these together for a podcast and video cool down. So we'll keep the tape running here just for a moment. We'll take some comments and let folks uh, weigh in on the topic. We have to be pretty quick today because we get some extra editing and things like that to do. But I do want to get your thoughts on Georgia Clemson, where things stand, interesting stuff from Mike Griffith in the show, some thoughts about what Georgia can gain from the win against Clemson. My belief that the game probably means a little bit more than Kirby Smart suggested. We can roll through all that right now. We're going to take about five minutes with the comments, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, dognation.com podcast all the platforms and we'll bounce out of here after that so let's do it this way let's click on facebook first jump over here uh peter jeffrey wilson says 60 days that georgia florida game be here before you know it yes indeed on that front but some stuff to take care before you get there um randy hall says we need the chortle button for dog win that's a good idea jimmy durham yeah uh, scott howard eric zire those be fun guys to uh, have on um, always, always love those guys for the official broadcast team. They do a great job. Uh, Jesse Jones said the handoff fake with the golden shoe. Yeah. So I had to give myself the golden shoe today. I was really hoping somebody would send me the Clem and the Clem Sun graphic, but I had to give it to myself because maybe I'm the only one that's old enough to even remember that. Maybe that's the problem is I'm the one that's old enough to remember that. Steve Highland excited about Zeus and Milton and James Cook and Kenny McIntosh and Dejon Edwards. Yeah, that crop of running backs could come up big. Could come up big for sure. Shelton Tucker, no, I'm not expecting an Eric Gilbert surprise in the game on Saturday. It'd be nice, but I'm not quite expecting that. Uh, Raymond Fossaway says, I'm such a traditionalist. I even like memes from the 80s. Yeah, that's actually probably pretty true. That's probably pretty true. Let's see what else. Robert Hosea said, literally said this in the beginning of the show. I wonder what that was. 
Keith Folds does remember the Clem and the Clem Sun T-shirt. I'm glad. Daniel Aldridge does too. See, I'm not the only one that remembers this. That's good. I'm glad to see that. Let's see what else. Jacob O'Neill, um, talking about a large iced tea there at Sanford Stadium. Yeah, listen, there's a lot of folks drinking brown beverages at Sanford Stadium. They're not always iced teas, though. Um, Tyrone Williams, we're talking about the wet field for the Cats on Saturday. I've seen all kinds of forecasts for this thing. I'm not great at reading the weather as it is, to be completely honest with you. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Wayne Folan says, pretty soon I may give myself an Emmy. By the way, Wayne, it's good to see you in the comments section. Yeah, if I could, I would. And if I did, don't you know how to be the person that had all those trophies back in the background? You better believe it. I have all my Emmys and everything back there. You know good and well I'd do that. David Harvey says, digging up bones today. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, Green Soldier over here on the YouTube side of things, checking in. On the subject of Travis Etienne, he says it was so good that if he's struggling, I think it's more than just a few offensive linemen against opponents uh, you guys own. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, what Clemson does with its running game in the absence of Travis Etienne, who's obviously no longer in the program, it's going to be a very big deal on Saturday. And Clemson fans are excited about the debut of Will Shipley. I think they have good reason to feel that way and more of Lynn J. Dixon. But, but, you know, the ability for these two teams to establish the run, because, listen, even in a day and age in which George, I'm hoping, passes the ball more effectively than it has in the past, that doesn't reduce the importance of the running game. You know, rushing yards are still critical in games like this. And this game on Saturday, for sure. Uh, Frank Patterson on the subject of Mike Griffith bashing Zeus. Look, I've made my point on this well-known. You know, um, it's one of those things after a while, you can't do the same thing over and over again, right? I mean, it's like like if I did that every time the subject of Zamir White came up, it's the only thing we'd ever talk about. And so, like, I've done that plenty. And at, at a certain point, just kind of got to let it go. And, you know, like the, like around here, we're a believer that any number of Georgia players could have a big game on Saturday. And I've told you before, I think Zemir White certainly could be one of those guys. And, um, you know, if different people think different things, I think they have to vouch for their own opinion. And when it makes sense to, to kind of push back on opinions that I disagree with, I'm, I'm going to do that. But, Unfortunately, you can't do that every single time somebody says something that you may or may not agree with. So that's kind of my answer on that, Frank. Uh, Redneck Bulldog says, I think a fake flea flicker to a, uh, like the one that Zeus had against Florida last year would be a cool, that'd be actually a cool play. That would be a cool play. Um, I knew Nature Gator would be on board on this. I'm sure that UGA would have turned down Truesdale. First of all, UGA doesn't need Truesdale if they wanted to transfer to Georgia, it's like they did when he, they turned down Daniels because they already had the Wake Forest transfer and other quarterbacks. I know you'd take the bait on that nature. Here's the, here's the difference, though. You're talking about transfer players added very early in the process. And in the case of Truesdale, first of all, Georgia's not adding a player three days before the game. They're just not doing that. And the fact that Florida needs to tells you what you need to know here. And listen, a lot of the stuff that goes on in the, like the vein of negative recruiting, things like that, those are all private conversations. Trust me, to the extent that anyone even has to has to negatively recruit against Dan Mullen, that kind of stuff, that kind of roster insecurity is the kind of thing that recruits do pay close attention to. And you know deep down that's true. Uh, Joshua Herring says, I watched Zamir White in high school. He's a beast. And 
back in his home state of North Carolina, not quite as close to home as Jordan Davis would be from Mallard Creek. But Zamir White back in the Tar Heel State, you know he's probably excited about doing that. Scott Harris said that he had a Clem's son shirt and lost it in the move years ago. Then he'd get that screen printer around. Yeah, that'd be a good one. So for our uh, Dog Nation Invasion shirt, one of the ideas that I had was maybe we should just do the Clem and Clem's son's T-shirt for that. I, I wasn't sure if the, if the image itself was trademarked, so we didn't do that for the uh, shirt. But – I had actually had the idea of maybe we should do that for our Dog Nation Invasion shirt. Instead, we went with the NASCAR theme. Um, Nature Gator says uh, Florida didn't need Truesdale on the defensive line. Man, that ain't true, Nature. You know that's not true. They wouldn't have brought him in uh, if they if they didn't. HR Picking Stuff says DJ Uyengale is going to be facing some heat like a cook in the kitchen. Boy, I like that from HR. Good stuff there. Uh, Thomas Van Sanden says, why ain't nobody talking about Kenny McIntosh? Thomas, I think they are talking about McIntosh. I think expectations are pretty high for him on Saturday. Uh, Matt Presley says, who do you think will be the most impactful player this season, either side of the ball? Great question. This isn't breakout player. This isn't, hey, under-the-radar player. What you're essentially asking is best player on the roster. I think that's Jordan Davis. And I think he's going to show it both in terms of his run-stopping ability, but a more effective pass rusher there as well. This could be the kind of year in which Davis takes a step that puts him more in the category of what a joint Kinlaw once was for South Carolina, what a Derek Brown once was for Auburn. That's the kind of threshold that Davis may cross over this season. So my answer on that one is a fairly easy one. Easy one that's what I'll say. All right, over to the Dog Nation homepage for a moment. A couple comments over there. Uh, Billy Bob says if uh, Pickens and Washington were playing, we beat them by two scores. And obviously those are losses that will be felt, no doubt about that. But I think the thing that we've tried to explain around here is all the reasons why the game remains winnable for Georgia, even without Washington and Pickens. It's funny. I'm probably less confident that Georgia would have won easily if it didn't, if, if it had guys like Pickens and Washington but more confident that than some Georgia fans are that they can still win without them, if that makes sense. There's some Georgia fans are like, oh, you give us a full complement of players, you give us a full roster, Georgia wins this game as the commenter said by a couple of touchdowns. Not quite so sure I have that same level of belief, but I've also heard from some Georgia fans who are like, well, if the game's over with, no point in playing it since these injuries have occurred, and I don't quite believe that either. I'm more confident than some, even with the injuries, and less confident than others had the injuries not occurred, if you're following me on that. Steve Cantrell says he will start at wide receiver. Uh, my guess is Kyrus Jackson, Jermaine Burton, one of your top two, top three receivers. And the third guy, maybe maybe Marcus Rosemey Jackson with a Donnie Mitchell knocking on the door. That's kind of what I'd say right there. Uh, score check says that's a lot of points against both those defenses. Some of you are picking the dogs to win. I don't know if he's referencing that to me or somebody else, but I have said for a while, uh, CMC says trust in Muschamp. Muschamp going to be on the sideline, as we learned yesterday. As I've said now for a couple of days, and we'll keep saying this, I think it takes 30 points for Georgia to win this game on Saturday. I do. I do. For those who are you know, commenting on Twitter and with our comment section, dognation.com, appreciate all of that. Make sure you check out R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com. We're back again on Friday for an episode of Go With The Flow, our season premiere for the upcoming season. Looking at the games that matter for the upcoming weekend, that's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, 
RS Andrews can handle your for your uh, air conditioning, your heating, your plumbing, electric needs there as well. That's all really good stuff. So make sure you check them out online at rsandrews.com. Uh, really good stuff for all of that. Also, please make sure you um, uh, check out the AJC online, Atlanta Journal Constitution, AJC.com. We talked about the weather, the impact obviously being felt across the South, but how it impacts you here in Georgia. You can find that out there. Also, a recap of the really spirited community conversation yesterday on the way in which the school community around the metro Atlanta area continues to deal with the coronavirus pandemic and how students are learning and how they're impacted as they try to stay healthy. Important conversation. You can read all of that online, AJC.com. Also, the Falcons release a handful of players working to get down to that 53-man number. Interesting to see what happens at the backup quarterback position. Obviously, uh, with Josh Rosen coming in, Felipe Franks has been here, and some of the stuff related to all of that. Arthur Smith's not showing you a lot during the preseason, but the work being done to get down to the active roster for, for game week. So that is ongoing. You can read about that, AJC.com, for a lot more on that with our friends at Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So y'all check out R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com. See you back here tomorrow, 10 a.m., for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We will look forward to talking to all of you then. Have a great day, everybody.